Hey, good morning. Hey, we, we are absolutely slammed right now in this service, so here's, if, if everybody could move toward the middle, if there's a single empty seat by you, move to the middle. We're bringing chairs in the back, so if you're standing in the back, if you'll hang on, we're going to bring chairs, we'll try and help you out. And then I just need to say this out loud, you realize the smart people at Cornerstone don't come to this service, right? Uh, they come at 8.30, because at 8.30 there's about 200 seats. They come at 5 o'clock, because at 5 o'clock there's about 400 seats. So if, if, if you're the one caught without a seat today, 8.30, 5 o'clock, uh, great services. Somewhere we're going to have to build another building. And uh, there you go. Crazy, crazy. Last Sunday was Easter, if you guys uh, didn't catch it, and I had a friend who came to one of the seven services that we did on Easter, uh, hadn't seen me uh, in a while, and uh, because he hadn't seen me in about six months, my hairstyle had changed, and uh, you'll find that out about Cornerstone, if, if you don't like the way I wear my hair, just wait a few months, it's, it'll be different, and uh, so he came up to me after the service, he said, you know, I, I just, I almost didn't recognize you till I heard you speak, and then I knew it was you, but I, you, you changed your hair, and, and uh, my wife were sitting, when I were sitting back there, and we were commenting and talking, and, and we just said, you, you look just like that guy on TV. And I said, which guy are you talking about? He said, well, that guy on that show, you know, that show everybody watches, and it's real popular, and, and, and that guy on TV, and so I'm thinking to myself, and I, and, and I think, okay, extreme home makeover, Ty Pennington, you know? <laughs> So, so I said it to him. I said, yeah, you know, you mean that Ty Pennington guy? And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, he goes, that other show that everybody watches, you know, all the time, it's really popular. And Seinfeld, you know, with Kramer, Kramer, that's what you look like, Kramer. <laughs> Ty Pennington, okay, I'm telling you, Ty. Hey, we're beginning a uh, brand new uh, marriage series uh, together. Uh, how, many, how many of you didn't know that? How many of you, your wife dragged you this morning and said, we need to go back try that church again, and uh, you had no idea? Okay. Uh, so we're, we're going to spend, spend the next few weeks just talking through this. And guys, uh, we need to talk through this. You, you guys have already heard all the stats. It's not going to surprise you. But you know, a long time ago, we passed uh, the mark in the United States where over, over 50% of our marriages fail. More of our marriages, you know, fail than uh, succeed. And then uh, recent studies are telling us on top of that that uh, there is another 10% of marriages that stay together that if you were to ask them would say, look, we're, we're miserable, but we're staying together for the kids. And uh, so that's just it. That's why we're together. So, so now you've got over 50, 55, 56%. Now you've got another 10% that are together just for the kids. You, you're now pushing a, about a 65, 66% failure rate uh, within marriage. I mean, stop and think about that a second. If you went to Sky Harbor Airport, and uh, bought an uh, airline ticket, and on the bottom had a little thing that said, just so you know, 60% uh, of our planes crash and burn. <laughs> you getting on that plane? And yet, we run toward this thing called marriage. We, we're, we're hopping on, man. We're, we're ready to go. We're just pretty sure we're, we're the ones that won't crash and burn. And, and here's, here's, if you and I keep doing marriage the way our parents did marriage, if you and I, as we struggle, keep asking our drinking buddies, hey, you know, how, how do you work this out? If you and I, in the midst of conflict and, and discouragement, keep walking over to the neighbor's wife and saying, you know, I, 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 I don't get it. What's your husband like? You get what percentage you and I are going to fall into. 
And so here's what we're just going to ask for the next few weeks. Is it possible, is it possible that the one who made marriage, who designed this thing in the first place, would have some information for you and I, a, a way to do this differently in our lives that moves us out of the 60 percentile into the success column. Here, here's what's going to happen. I can tell you right now. Somewhere in this series, somewhere as we talk together, you're going to get a heavy-duty case of the yeah buts. Yeah, but you've never met my husband. Yeah, but you don't know what my wife can be like. She said to me, I go, look, look, look. Lynn, I, I already tried the stuff you're saying. First 30 minutes of marriage, I tried it. <laughs> I figured if she couldn't get it right in the start, then why try anymore? And somewhere we're going to scare ourselves. And somewhere we're going to look at a passage and we're going to go... That makes no sense to me, but in that moment, what if, what if you and I simply said, I'm not sure, I'm pretty convinced it won't work, but I'm going to take a chance on God. And, and I'm, I'm just going to do what he asked me to do. I'm going to respond the way he asked me to respond. I'm just going to see what would happen if I did that within my home. It's going to be the challenge in the next six weeks together. Now, you get this, you get this. You, you, get that, you get that marriage would be really, really, really easy if it weren't for the fact that there are men and women. <laughs> right? No, no guys, if, if, that is the challenge, right? The challenge is, is that we're taking men who think like men. And we're mixing them in a marriage, in a relationship with women who think like women. And if that's not a mystery, a good mystery. That was one man back there going, that's right. <laughs> You're in so much trouble for clapping, sir. You are. But, but how many times have we thought to ourselves, I, I just don't get what my spouse is thinking. How many times has a guy said, I feel like I'm being so clear. No guy would respond this way to this moment. How many times as a female have you said, my husband is so dense. I, I, I have verbalized so effectively what I'm feeling and thinking, and he just doesn't get it. If he could just think like a woman for a moment. See, the struggle is that we are incredibly different. Matter of fact, there was a book that came out probably 10, 12 years ago. Uh, you may have heard it. Uh, Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, written by John Gray. And really, the, it, it hit, and everybody was uh, reading, and it actually had a fascinating premise. It just simply said this. You realize that men and women are so fundamentally different in how they think, in how they process, in how they arrive at their conclusions, that they might as well be from different planets. That men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Different cultures, different languages, and, and, and now we're going to stick them in a marriage together. Now, one place this shows up a little bit culturally uh, is in this whole idea of unsolicited advice. Ladies, you, you just need to know that this blows the brain of a man. 
that within women's culture, it's acceptable to give unsolicited advice. Matter of fact, women give advice as an expression of love and affection for each other. They, they, they walk into the house and they go, oh, you know what you should do? I, I, you could change your character and, and, and you should see what I... And, and men are going, what? I would hit anyone who said that to me. And they're going, oh, thank you so much. Unsoli completely foreign to male culture. It, it's, why I think, it's why a man will refuse to pull over and even ask for advice or, or directions when he's driving, right? Because within male culture, there is a high value on problem solving. And, and part of the honor you give within a male culture is giving him the chance to figure it out on his own. Keep your unsolicited advice to yourself. <laughs> and women, as they give this advice, use words like, you should, you ought to which men then hear as a moral imperative. And, and, and there's words like, never, to which he says, yes, I did. I bought you a card for our anniversary seven years ago. I bought you a card. What do you mean, never? Two men out in front of their house working on one man's car. The other gentleman standing there is a master mechanic. They're staring under the hood. The owner is fiddling around. Guess what the master mechanic's doing? Leaning on the car. Because in male culture, you don't give unsolicited advice. And what he waits for as a male is for the other male to say, you know, I've tried everything. I, I've tried this and this. I, I can't figure it out which is male code for, okay, you, you can give me advice now. Completely different, completely different culturally. You realize men and women speak different languages. Men and women can say exactly the same thing and mean something completely different, okay? Because, you ready for this? Women, women speak through a pink megaphone. It's pink, and, and women hear through pink headsets. Everything, pink headsets. Men, on the other hand, speak through a blue megaphone, and they hear through blue headsets. You can say the same thing, means something to give you an example. A woman says, I have nothing to wear. Which in pink means, I have nothing new. <laughs> A man says the exact same words, I have nothing to wear. Which in blue means, I haven't done laundry in months. <laughs> now, so here's the deal. When a woman speaks pink to another woman, she knows exactly what that woman's saying. I have nothing to wear. It's okay, we're all going shopping tomorrow. You wanna come along? <laughs> Perfect sense if you're hearing pink. 
When a man says, I have nothing to wear, men hear this through blue, blue headphones, and he says, are you kidding me? She's not doing your laundry either. And then we're going to put you in the same universe, same home, and say, make it work. Speaking pink, speaking blue. And here's what you just, here's what you think. God knew this. This, none of what you and I have just said to each other surprises God on any level. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, hey, didn't you know, didn't you know in the very beginning God made them both male and female? He go, Jesus said, did you, you get God made them different? That part of the wonder, part of the mystery of marriage is getting blue to talk to pink and pink to understand blue. That's part of the wonder of this thing. And so in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this disharmony, God says, I can help you. I, I, can, I can help you with that. And it's really, it's really simpler than your heart thought. And, and that struggle, that, that, that thing that just about has you shipwrecked right now, there's an answer. So grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is going to be kind of to the back of your Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Some of you will know this passage. You've used it on your spouse. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what God's going to do. God is going to give a job description to wives and to husbands. He's going to say, if you do nothing else right in your marriage, if, if you accomplish nothing else in your lifetimes, do this. It's how you get pink to talk to blue. It's how you get blue to hear pink. Do this. Here's what we're going to do. It's Ephesians chapter 5. It's verse 22. I'm going to start reading this. Here's what I would. Look, ladies, as I read three times, kind of in a little different ways, but three times, God's going to give you that same job description. You watch, okay? Don't listen to what the men have to do. You just listen for what you need to do. Men, three times. Three times he's going to say, guys, do this. You will change your marriage if you do this. Don't listen to what he says. To, listen to what he says to the men. Okay? No one... <clears throat> listen to what he says to you. Okay? All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 5. It's verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy and cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, guys, three times, three times in the passage, he says to husbands, husbands, if you don't do anything else, do this, do this for your wife. What are husbands supposed to do? Love. Love. Some of you guys were pretty intimidated. You were like, I think this is a trick question. I'm in church. That means every answer is Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't seem to fit this time. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Don't do anything else right. Don't come. Love your wives. He says to the wives, wives, do this for your husbands. The wives are all going, <coughs> respect. No, I know, I know, I know. Some of the women in the room are going, this stinks. All he has to do is love somebody as warm and charming as me. <laughs> I gotta respect him. Ladies, God just blessed you. Here's why. God knew that within the, in the heart of every woman is a hope. The hope is, is that she will find a man who will love her more than anything else in this world. She has a tank. I used, I used to think women had a big tank. They don't have a big tank. Women, women have a little tank. It just has a big hole in the bottom. And the only thing, you ready for this? The only thing that fills that tank the way she needs that tank filled is the pursuit of her man, the chasing after her the loving affection of the man she's trusted with her heart guys 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 think about think about this like a sports car okay big engine little tank which means you got to make a lot of stops at the gas station see guys get this wrong see guys go i, I don't get it last anniversary i mean i'm not I must have like filled that tank up 10 times over. I mean, I took her out for dinner. I bought her that bracelet. Don't I have like some credit coming here? 
Why do I have to tell her I love her again? It's only been six months. Did you hear the ladies? Oh, man, stupid man. <laughs> Little tank, big hole. And you can only fill the tank so much, and then it's got to be filled again. And here, ready? The desperate hope of every woman in this room, men, is that you, that you're the man she always hoped you were. The man who would love her more than success, than achievement, than building the next thing to be built or attaining the next, that you would love her more. That's why God says to husbands, husbands, if you don't do anything else right in your life, if you don't build anything else, if you don't succeed, succeed at letting your wife know that you love her more. Fill the tank. Ladies, men have a tank. From the time they were little boys, there was within their heart a hope. There was a hope that there was a woman out there who would see them through eyes of honor and respect, not love. See, this is where we blow it. Women most naturally try to love their man. He knows you love him. You go, you go to the average man and you say to the average man, hey, does your wife love you? And he goes, oh, yeah. Does she like you? No. <laughs> but she loves me. Because, 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 women are naturally wired to love. Matter of fact, one of the reasons God had to say to your husband, love your wife, is that, ladies, can I tell you that one of the most terrifying propositions for your man is that he would love somebody with all of his heart. That he would give himself with that type of abandon to anyone. Men love in pieces, and men love in stages. And you just need to know that that command to love you the way you're hoping he will terrifies him. In the same way that the idea of respecting him, especially in the midst of a mistake, terrifies you. But that can I tell you that within the heart of a boy, in the heart of a man, is the hope that you're that woman. I'm walking down the hall and getting ready to talk to you guys today, and I happen to pass the door of one of our staff members who's got two little daughters. And they had painted pictures for daddy. So he's got them all over the door. Little hearts. Pink. See, you immediately know a daughter gave that to him. Little boys don't give that to their dads. Matter of fact, little boys don't paint little pink hearts. I mean, the only way a little boy does that is if he's going to give that to his mom. You give a boy a piece of paper and some paint, what's he going to paint? Tanks. They may be pink tanks, but he's going to paint tanks, by golly. Because why? Because tanks beat the bad guys. Or he's going to paint superheroes. Because superheroes win the day. And they, ready, ready, ready? And they get 
respect. Because deep within the heart of every boy and every man in this room is the hope that you'll respect. Shanti Feldhahn, author of a book called For Women Only, talks about this incredible moment. She's sitting at camp as a teenager, and the speaker at camp divides the room in guys and girls and asks this simple question. How many of you would rather live your entire life alone and unloved or your entire life a failure and unrespected? She then, the camp speaker then said, so raise your hands. Anybody want to guess what happened? When the camp speaker said, who would be, who, who would, who would, who would just says, look, I would never want to live my life alone and unloved. Every girl raised her hand. I, I would never want to live my life that way. Then the next question, how many of you would rather live alone and unloved but have respect? Every guy raised his hand and the women gasped. You realize if you keep trying to fill your husband's tank with love, that's why God came back and said, look, look, guys, love, wives, respect. You get that this is the dilemma. This is the thing because men and women come to the same moment and they get to a different conclusion, a different outcome, a different idea. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a crazy story. It's way out of the box story. It's a silly story. I did that on purpose so that you wouldn't go home on the way in the car and say, that happened to us last night. I didn't want you to do that to each other. So it, I'm gonna, we're going to push it out there, but it's still going to follow the story because it's going to help us work through this. Just imagine Jake and Jessica fairly newly wed, been married about a year and a half. All of a sudden, the news comes, she's pregnant. A little bit earlier than they were hoping, but hey, it's okay. It's still a good thing. It's a positive thing. Jake's at work. Boss says, hey, work's over. I need to talk to you a little bit. Jake's a little concerned. What did I do wrong? Goes into the boss's office. The boss sits him down and says, hey, Jake, uh, you've just been doing amazing we're going to do something that we've only done one other time ever here. We're going to give you a mid-year raise. What does that do to the heart of Jake? See, Jake's going, man, all, woo, my bosses, my coworkers, they all respect me. So Jake's driving home, man, he's, he's on cloud nine. And as he's driving home, out of the corner of his eye, he just happens to see Circuit City. Big banner. Year-end blowout. So he pulls in. As he walks through the doors, there, right there, in display, Terminator 2000 home entertainment system, half off. <laughs> this, this may be an answer to prayer. Raise on my way home. I mean, Terminator 2000 has 133 knobs. There's one knob that no one even knows what it does. Terminator 2000. He talks to the, the sales rep, and the sales rep says, look, here's the deal. They're changing the color. They're going from black to gray. So it's half price because it's last season, but nothing's changed. It'll never be this way again. 
He now drives on home to Jessica. He knows, he knows, he knows his mission in life. He walks in the door and he says, Jessica, you'll never guess what happened today. I mean, I was so honored at work. I mean, you should hear what they called me in. They gave me a mid-year raise one other time ever. And I'm driving home, and I pulled into Circuit City, and God revealed to me <laughs> Terminator 2000. And I'm just thinking, and it, that would work so great in our little 8 by 8 living room. You know, we could move some furniture out and you, you, it, Jessica taking the very same information, same raise, same moment in life, looks at her husband and says, are you an idiot? <laughs> we're, we're getting ready to have a child. We, we need to get a bigger apartment. Our child needs a nursery to sleep in. To which Jake says, I've thought of that. We've got this really big walk-in closet. <laughs> they begin to share. She's sharing pink, he's sharing blue. You get the moment, you get, you get what's motivating Jake, right? I mean, Jake's sitting here going, look, if I get Terminator 2000, Super Bowl is just around the corner. We'll have all the guys over for wings. We'll all be sitting there with massive screen, eardrums pounding out, and the guys will be going, man, Jake, you must be making it. Boy, you're, you're moving right up the ladder, aren't you? Boy, you're successful. So in the midst of the argument, Jake goes where no man ought to go. And he says to Jessica, look, I'm the man. I'm the boss. Didn't you listen in church last Sunday? Last hour when I said that, we had this one man that went, oh, my you knew in that moment he had tried that one. <laughs> guys, 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 can I just say this? If you have to say that, you're not. <laughs> so he says to Jessica, look, 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 I'm the man, I'm the boss. We're going to do what I say. Storms out of the house, goes that night back to Circuit City. Super Bowl Sunday comes. The guys are all sitting in the living room, feet up on the speakers. <laughs> and the guys are. The guys are all looking at Jake saying, man, good job, man. You are just, you are there. In the kitchen, there's a different conversation. In there. See, in the kitchen, the ladies are going, man, I got the stupidest husband. I totally forgot our anniversary last year. Other gal says, no, 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 I can top that. <laughs> Jessica says to the women, follow me. 
She leads them to a closet. Jake can't figure out why he's getting all these evil stares the rest of the day. You get what just happened, right? Pink tried to talk to Blue. Blue yelled back at Pink. And guys, here, you and I have done this a thousand times in our relationship. See, some of us sitting in this room right now are in the middle of what I call the crazy cycle. And, and you think you're the only couple that fights like this. You think you're the only couple who just cannot even communicate. And it's blue talking to pink. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. When a woman feels unloved, she intuitive. She doesn't think about this. She doesn't process this. She intuitively begins to speak her heart. She intuitively begins to say out loud, Hey, I feel desperately unloved. You didn't. How come? Where were you when? A man hearing the words of his wife hears. You are a failure. You are blowing this. I am desperately unhappy with you. And a man, when he hears his woman, Speak to him in words that he believes are deeply disrespectful. He intuitively will respond one of two ways. You know what they are? He will either find more hurtful words to hit her heart, or he'll recoil. He'll withdraw. He'll go into the man cave. And he would say, well, no, 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 I, I did that out of love. And I mean, if I had said what I wanted to say, if I had reacted in the anger I had, so he withdraws. He, he goes to cool off. Can I tell you that within female culture, there is a no greater insult than to withdraw? Because within female culture, that says, you mean so little to me. It's not even worth processing with you. It's not even worth the breath to have the conversation with you. So I'll just shut down on you. So she feels desperately unloved. And when a woman feels unloved, she begins to speak in ways that a man hears as disrespectful. And when he hears disrespect, he begins to withdraw and say, I... It's why you and I go, this is crazy. Why are we fighting over something so little, so petty, so stupid? Why are we so angry with each other? She felt unloved. She spoke in ways that he heard as disrespect. When he heard disrespect, he spoke in ways that were unloving. When she was unloved, she spoke in words of disrespect. You do that long enough, you'll decide the crazy thing is staying together. And you go, well, how do you do this? I mean, I, I can't stop being a man. I can't stop being a woman. How do you do this? Ephesians 5. In that moment, in that moment, God would simply say to the men, what if? What if in that moment when every word that came out of her mouth sounded like criticism? sounded like indictment. What if instead of withdrawing, you ran to her?
you pursued her. Because here's what God is saying. As she says, I'm not happy. Why have you treated me this way? Can I tell you what Pink is trying to say, guys? My tank is empty. And I am here hoping, hoping, hoping you'll come fill it. What if? What if, guys? Ladies, what if in that moment, when you know, you know, you know it's a bad decision, you know it's wrong, you know it's stupid, what if in that moment, instead of offering words of criticism, you said to him, I don't agree, I don't understand. but I'll let you lead. Let's go back to our story. Jake looks at Jessica and he says to Jessica, look, I'm the man. You're, you're, you're just a disrespectful wife. I'm gonna go do what I'm gonna go do. And he heads for the door. What if in that moment Jessica stopped him? What if in that moment she looked at Jake and said, Jake, I still disagree. I still think this is just the wrong decision. But I listened on Sunday. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to lead this home. Jake storms out, driving down to Circuit City. Gets about halfway there and he's going, I wonder what God would want me to do right now. Maybe I should pray. No, that'd only make it worse. (laughs) Gets all the way into Circuit City starting to pick out the options. And somewhere his heart says, love my wife. Gets back in his car, drives back home, walks in the house and she says, well, where are the boxes? Help you unpack. And he goes, no, no. I was thinking tomorrow we should go look at apartments. Super Bowl Sunday, all the guys are sitting in now the spacious 8 by 8 living room, 13-inch TV, aluminum foil on the antennas. There's a conversation going on in the kitchen. One wife says, man, my husband, man, he's just such a loser. Other wife says, no, 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 I can top that. To which Jessica says, follow me. Let me show you the amazing man in my life. A man who wanted to buy a Terminator 2000 with all of his heart, 
and instead chose to make a nursery for our child. The women all walk out of there. I didn't know there was a man like that. Jake, would you like anything else? As they drive home with their husbands that night, the legend of Jake begins. There is a man who fills the heart of his wife. Now his buddies are coming and saying, dude, I don't know what you did, but I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> See, and I got a feeling Super Bowl night went a little different that night, too. Why? Because a husband chose to love because a wife gave the gift of respect. Not because the other had earned it, not because they felt like it, because God said it. Which leaves the question, what about your marriage? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just, we come before you and the, and the truth is, there are so many of us sitting in this room this morning who would say, we, we are on that crazy side. We fight about the dumbest things. We wound each other over nothing. It's as if we're speaking different languages to each other. Oh, God. What if the men of Cornerstone resolved in their hearts and said, if I never do anything else right, I will fill the heart of my wife. If, if I never build that next building, if I never get that next, just, as long as my wife knows that I love her more than anything I could do or be, God, what if the women of Cornerstone today said, I choose to respect and honor my husband, not because he's earned it, because of the position, because he's my husband. And I get that probably the most crucial time will be when my heart doesn't want to respect. In that moment, give him the gift of respect. God, how different would our marriages be? How jealous would those who didn't know God be of our homes? God, would you bring that day, would you give us the courage to simply do love and respect? And this we pray in your precious name.